0: And it is true, so, you know, I've been kind of thinking about this stuff for a long time and Muffy asked, have you ever thought of running? And I'm like, oh yeah, I'll think about that. I was still trying to play it cool and have some plausible deniability, so. But here we are, so I want to thank everyone for being here today. From a very early age, I have known that I wanted to serve my community and build a better world. We know that as our trans and queer communities become more vibrant, reactionary forces will seek to put us down and discriminate. When I experienced discrimination in my NPA, I didn't sit there and hope it would get better. I went to my city councilors. I organized and worked with the administration to address this critical gap in our policies. In October, a resolution passed unanimously to combat transphobia and all forms of discrimination in our NPAs. I saw, once again, the amazing potential of Burlington to have a responsive government when we use our voice and work together.
1: affected. I'm Joshua Slocum and this is the show where we talk about politics, culture and relationships through a psychological lens from dystopian Burlington, Vermont. And welcome back. Yes, if you are curious, we've gotten the question. That's correct. We did not have a show last week. You didn't miss anything. Um, We decided to have a holiday. So I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving, even if you're not American. The last show we did two weeks ago focused on Burlington, Vermont. And I said to you that I asked you to think of this not as, oh, the show's just going to hyper-local interest that means nothing to me, but instead to think of it as an example and a bellwether. It's not local news. It's an example of blue and woke America because we're in the cauldron. We here in Burlington are in the epicenter of it. We're going to talk about Burlington again this week because we made national headlines. Why? For woke reasons. Tragic reasons, actually, but re- tragic reasons that are, are being wokeified. You may have seen the news that on Saturday, November 25th, a Burlington man shot three other young men in downtown Burlington. They're all still alive, although uh, at least one of them has a critical spinal injury. Um, These three young men were described as um, at least partially Palestinian. I'm seeing all sorts of things. I'm seeing Irish, American, Palestinian. I have no idea what that means. But they have been described as Palestinians. The man who shot them, a local man named Jason Eaton, he's 48 years old. He's been arrested and charged with three counts of second-degree attempted murder. Uh, One of the young men may turn out to be paralyzed, I hope not, Um, uh, but they're all still in hospital. They survived, but they're in hospital. You could do the show for me. I don't need to tell you what happens next, do I? That's right. The hate crime narrative started immediately, immediately before any any facts were in, as we knew that it would. Now... I'm going to show you how our local and then our national leaders responded to this. But I want you to keep in mind first, please. Remember, there is zero available evidence of this man's motive. None whatsoever. There may be some now. Investigators are keeping things close to their chest. That's normal in crime investigations until they're certain about things. At least it should be. But at the time these statements I'm going to show you were made, there was absolutely no indication of motive. Let's go. Here is the first quote from Mayor Burlington Mayor Moreau Weinberger. The terrible unprovoked attack of three young visitors to Burlington was a shocking violation of the values of this welcoming and inclusive community. These bright, caring young men are good friends to each other, committed to their families, and are loved and valued by many. They deserved to enjoy a peaceful and joyful visit to our city, not the irreparable violence they endured, Moreau Weinberger, or should I say, my second grade teacher, because that's how he talks. That's how all of these effeminate men talk. Notice the language, these bright and caring young men. Morel Weinberger doesn't know these young men. He doesn't know this about them. He can't know this about them. This is pure, deliberate, conscious. This is script writing. You're watching script writing happen live. This is creating a hagiography. The oppressed Palestinians. That's what they want you to hear. You know, I, I, I struggled to figure out how to say this. So I'm just going to say it as as briefly and quickly as I can. I resent that I feel compelled to say this, but I do feel compelled to say it. Obviously, I'm not happy that these three young men were shot. That doesn't make me happy. It's, it's It's so stupid, right? I know, I know some of you are saying, but you don't have to say that, Josh. I know, I know. Yeah, actually, I do have to say that. Because we live in a borderline world where everything is black and white, everything is splitting, all good, all bad. So if I don't affirmatively say that I am unhappy that these young men were shot, there are going to be people who say, oh, he likes that Palestinian young men were shot. That is how deranged our culture has become. So there, that's, that's it right there. Next quote from Moreau Weinberger, mayor of Burlington. The shooting has also shaken Many Palestinian, Arab, and Muslim Vermonters by confirming their worst fears that vitriol, hate, and Islamophobia would find them here in Vermont while war continues in the Middle East. There's your narrative creation. This came out maybe a day or two after the shooting. Remember, no details, no motive. No one knows anything. Merle Weinberger wants this. He's going to make sure that it happens and it is happening. He has made sure. They've all made sure the narrative is now set. This was an Islamophobic murder. This was hate. This was a stain on our kind and inclusive values. Now comes Chittenden County prosecutor, Sarah George. Here, here's her Twitter profile. Chittenden County State's Attorney, that's what you would call a district attorney in most other places, she, her, she's got her pronouns, isn't that that a cute little picture too, Mm, you know, hi, hi, here's what Sarah had to say, the shooting last night in Burlington of three Palestinian students is atrocious and heartbreaking, sending so much strength to each of them. This is an ongoing investigation, and my office is working with law enforcement to find the person responsible and hold them accountable. Sending so much strength. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. So they got their man. They made their arrest. Jason Eaton, 48 years old. Now, Sarah George, we've talked about her on the show before. This is a woman who springs violent criminals on bail the very next day after they commit their crimes. Stabbing, book 'em, get 'em get them back out on the street on bail. Shoot, book get 'em get them back out on the street on bail. Over and over and over and over. This is what she does. This is how she prosecutes. And yes, yes. Some of the criminals that she has released within 24 hours have gone back and stabbed or shot someone else the very next day. Because of course they did. Sarah wants this. I don't know why, but actions speak louder than words. Her actions indicate that she wants this to happen. But strangely, the suspect in the shooting of three young men, Mr. Jason Eaton is not out on bail. Why? I know why. Do you see it? If he were black, he'd be back out on the street and everybody knows it. You know it, Sarah George, you know it too, Karen Paul, you know it, Moreau Weinberger, you know it, Joan Shannon. all of you know it. And if you're mad that I said it, it's because you know you've been caught. Now we have words from Burlington chief of police, John Murad, speaking out of both sides of his mouth. Pay careful attention and notice the, <clears throat> the way he's trying to have it both ways at the same time. Quote, my deepest condolences go out to the victims and their families, said chief of police, John Murad. In this charged moment, No one can look at this incident and not suspect that it may have been a hate-motivated crime. (laughs) (sighs) Central casting. All of you, you're walking cardboard cutouts. Here's the other side of his mouth speaking. Quote, we're working every investigatory angle on this case and will continue to provide reliable factual information to the public while protecting the victims and our investigation. The fact is, we don't know. We don't yet know as much as we want to right now. But I urge the public to avoid making any conclusions based on statements from uninvolved parties who know even less. End quote. Okay. Remember, there's zero evidence of motive. John Murad said that. This press release came out the day after the shooting. Okay? No, no evidence of motive. John Murad knew there was no evidence of motive. But he wants you to start thinking about hate crimes. That's why he planted that seed. That's why he said what he said. He wants you to think that. John Murad does nothing to stop the violence that's going on downtown. He won't even put beat cops down on Church Street in Burlington to clear out the druggies, the whores, and the criminally insane who have taken over the entire downtown area. He won't do it. I've told you this before. I can walk down Church Street. Um, I am prevented from going into bank ATMs because they've been taken over by crack addicts who literally smoke crack and meth. Yes, crack and meth, not marijuana. Right out in public in broad daylight at about noon on a Friday. You will never ever see a cop walking down Church Street. Why is that, John? Where's your boys? Worthless is what you are, Murad. You are worthless. And you're a liar. Working for liars. I don't care if you want to keep your job. Have some principles. Be a man. I know. Why do I even bother? That's not all. Now comes... Well, whoever wrote words and attributed them to President Joe Biden, whose brain is literally tapioca pudding and who has no idea where he is or who he is, quote, Jill and I were horrified to learn that three college students of Palestinian descent, two of whom are American citizens, were shot Saturday in Burlington, Vermont. They were simply spending Thanksgiving, gathered with family and loved ones. Next portion. We join Americans across the country in praying for their full recovery and we send our deepest condolences to their families. While we are waiting for more facts, we know this. There is absolutely no place for violence or hate in America. Period. No person should worry about being shot at while going about their daily lives. And far too many Americans know a family member injured or killed as a result of gun violence. We cannot and we will not accept that. It's got everything. You've got the faux folksy Jill and I. Like everybody knows, Jill. First Lady. Dr. Jill. (laughs) Doctorate in education. It's got the posture of the caring grandpa. I mean, of course, he didn't write this. I, I I'm not, I'm not doing snark here. I'm not trying to exaggerate it. I, here's what I actually believe. I could be wrong, but this is my honest belief. I don't believe Joe Biden even knows this happened. I don't think he has the mental capacity. I think he's that far into dementia. He. If you brought this up to me, he had no idea what you were talking about. And that's a really sorry state for us to be in as a country. But, you know, what is this? Why is Joe Biden phoning in and talking to officials here in Burlington, Vermont, over a shooting? Why this shooting, when shootings happen all over the country every day, all over the place? Why this one? Well, you can't get a more explicit... I mean, he's got, okay, so it's got the folksiness, caring grandpa, it's got the message about gun violence. This this wasn't, this was gun violence. A gun, a gun what did it? Gun did it to those boys. Not a person, not a man, not suspect Jason Eaton. Guns did it. Why would guns do this? (laughs) And then he has the suggestion of a hate crime. And of course, again, hate hate crime, hate crimes. Despite the fact that 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 word comes out of everyone's mouth, they don't actually exist in American legal jurisprudence. Yes, I know, I know. There are some states that that call them hate crimes. The only reason they're getting away with this is because nobody has successfully sued them all the way up to the Supreme Court, because the Constitution doesn't allow for concepts like hate speech, which leads to hate crime, as compared to what? A love crime? A, uh, why did you do it? I just loved him so much. I hate to kill him. It's ridiculous. You cannot get a more explicit, simple, straightforward, impossible to misunderstand example of how leftists literally create fake narratives right in front of your eyes, live. You can see them doing it anyone who cannot see what's going on in this situation can't be reached they can't be so you know i'm not going to try i suggest you not try either you act you would actually have to be intellectually disabled you'd have to be mentally retarded not to understand this so anybody who says they're not seeing that this is a person that at least at this point in their life cannot be reached don't waste your time with them and if it turns out that the suspect shot them because they're Palestinian, which of course is a plausible possibility. I don't think it's very likely, it's possible. Um, Given what's going on in Burlington right now, I would suspect drugs and a mental health issue are probably more likely motivators, Uh, but we'll see. Uh, Well, I say we'll see, but will we though? If that turned out to be the reality, will they tell us that? I'm not confident they will. I'm more confident that they will lie. So I don't know if we will I don't know if we'll be able to know. Welcome to welcome to a zero trust society. <sighs> All right. For almost six years, before I started doing this show with Kevin, I was writing a lot publicly on Facebook. Stupidly, because I wasn't getting paid for it. That's why I write on Substack now. But for at least six years, I've been writing and saying publicly that parents who sex change their kids, yeah, sex change them. That's right. No, it's not gender affirming care. They're not transitioning them, they're sex changing them, they're abusing them. I've been saying publicly that parents who do this are exhibiting classic Munchausen syndrome by proxy. And Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Is when a a mother, it's almost always a mother. I saw an example of a father uh, this past week. and You do see them, but I would guess it's less than 5% of the total cases. When a mother deliberately sickens her child, makes that child ill, or creates the perception that her child is ill in order for the mother to get attention and praise for being burdened, for being put upon, and for being uh, a selfless and sacrificing caregiver. The classic example of munchausen's by proxy that we're all used to seeing and that we all used to be able to recognize is is poisoning the child with a chemical or, or with a drug like insulin to make them appear sick so that they have to be hospitalized and then mommy can get all the doctors running around and doing tests and wondering why this child who doesn't have juvenile diabetes is all of a sudden having hypoglycemia and their blood sugars going down to 26 and nobody can figure it out have you seen some of these true crime um documentaries on Munchausen mothers, it astonishes me. You'll, you'll get a kid in the hospital who has a hypoglycemic incident, low blood sugar. This is, this is what happens to um, insulin-dependent diabetics. If the insulin uh, has too much action and they don't follow up the injection of the insulin quickly enough with food so that the sugar balances the, uh, the sugar-eating insulin, their blood sugar will crash. It can kill you. Um, so you get these kids in the hospital who are having hypoglycemic episodes all over the place and the hospital sits around for a week trying to figure this out. And I'm like, how the, how the hell do you think this is happening? Somebody's injecting insulin. (laughs) There's no such thing as hypoglycemia that just comes out of nowhere in an otherwise healthy kid that you've tested and still confirmed doesn't have diabetes. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Right. Um, But it ought to have been obvious to every single working doctor and general practitioner and social worker that transing kids, sex changing kids is simply the 21st century covering and version of Munchausen syndrome by proxy. It could not be easier to see, but it wasn't obvious to them. It's not obvious now. Those of us who have pointed this out for years have been called crazy, we've been called bigots, we've been called child haters, unqualified to say that, unqualified to diagnose it, by the very people who claim that they are qualified to do so. Well, look now. This is from the Epic Times, great online newspaper. I should have subscribed to them far longer ago than I did. Headline, are you ready, disaffected audience? Parents' personality disorders driving surge in trans kids, according to psychiatrists. Well, blow me right the fuck down. I never could have seen that coming. (laughs) Really?
0: Shocking.
1: From the article, Transhausen by proxy, a term coined for narcissistic parents who push so-called gender transitioning on their children, may be playing a role in the sudden rise of transgender children, some experts say. Celebrities are increasingly in the limelight with announcements about their children who come out as transgender or non-binary. Non-binary individuals identify as neither male nor female. Transhausen by proxy isn't an officially recognized psychological condition. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) It's a play on an official condition known as Munchausen syndrome by proxy. MSBP is a mental illness that's also sometimes called medical child abuse or factitious disorder imposed on others. It's exhibited mostly by women. Seeking attention or exaggerating, or making up an illness of children or others in their care. Transhausen by proxy has very real effects on society, experts say. Well, I'm glad they're speaking out now, but why did it take so long? Because it's really obvious, isn't it? Quote, they point to headlines such as the one on Pride.com in May, which gushes 15 celebs who are out and proud of their trans and non-binary kids. The article praises stars such as Cher, Shade, Jennifer Lopez, and Charlize Theron for supporting their children who reject their biological sex, end quote. I'll read to you a little more from the article. But celebrities aren't the only ones heralding transgender and non-binary children. Parents routinely post on social media cheering their children's transition or advocating for transgender rights. Some parents have been featured in news articles for fleeing red states that block transgender procedures for children and moving to blue states where, quote, gender-affirming care is allowed. The increase in cases of gender dysphoria in families with multiple transgender children have led some medical and mental health professionals to suspect psychological illnesses, such as narcissistic personality disorder, may be involved uh, in the parent audience, not the child, the parent. Dr. Erica Lee is a pediatrician in Spokane, Washington, who considers herself an old school liberal. She's not necessarily against gender transitioning. Early in her career, she considered becoming a pediatrician specializing in gender dysphoria. However, she began to question why doctors were advocating for medical procedures to transition children without any solid scientific evidence that the procedures came with an overwhelming benefit for their young patients, she told the Epoch Times. If the cause of gender dysphoria is unknown in a patient and the progress of treatment is uncertain, then radical treatment with morbid side effects isn't justified, she said. Quote, Dr. Lee now, in some cases, sees another force at work, parents with personality disorders. Narcissism which has similarities to Munchausen syndrome by proxy may contribute to the proliferation of gender dysphoria claims and shouldn't be ignored," she said. She is Dr. Dr. Lee. I'm going to quibble a little bit. Um, I suspect this is a case of um, th- these are unfamiliar concepts to news writers. I, I think it's just genuine uh, miscommunication, misunderstanding. It's not that narcissism has quote similarities to Munchausen syndrome by proxy, it's that Munchausen syndrome by proxy is a symptomatic expression of a narcissistic personality disorder, not similar to subset of. We're not comparing two different phenomena here that just seem to strangely share similarities. They are the same phenomenon. The relationship is analogous to how a fever is not a standalone disease state. But a fever is a symptom of a cold or the flu or malaria or something else like that. And Dr. Lee isn't the only one who's noticing this. Um, Jamie Reed was a caseworker, case manager at a gender clinic for kids in St. Louis, Missouri. She renounced her job recently and blew the whistle on them when her eyes were opened. I think we may have mentioned her on the show before. Her story is worth looking up. She wrote a feature length article. I don't remember which uh, outlet carried it. It might have been Redux. It might have been, um, it might have been The Distance on Substack. I'm not sure. But Jamie Reed, uh, her article is worth reading. "Quote in February, Jamie Reed, a former case manager at the Washington University Transgender Center at St. Louis Children's Hospital. My God in heaven." Exposed practices at the clinic and described parents who were adamant about transitioning their children. Next quote. In a July article appearing in LGBT Courage Coalition, Ms. Reed wrote about how children at the clinic were victims of, quote, one parent's own psychological needs. As horrible as this is to say, I did see parents, primarily moms, who showed signs of Munchausen syndrome by proxy. End quote. That was Jamie Reed. I'm glad she's speaking out. But no, it isn't horrible to say that. It's not horrible to say that. It's necessary to say that. That's an emotional hangover that makes people feel guilty for recognizing that women and mothers are not saints, but human beings who are capable of depravity. It's not horrible to say that. You know what was horrible? All the years you spent not saying it. That's what was horrible. Glad you're doing it now, but no. No. What's horrible is the silence that so many professionals are still sitting in. It's your goddamn moral duty to say this. These women should be in prison for the rest of their lives. These women who do this to their children and the fathers too. The few active ones and the enablers who stand by and let Medea eat their own children. Look at this. More from the article. Fathers often attempted to stop the medical transitioning of their children, she wrote, Jamie Reed, And staff often referred to those fathers as idiots or said they had patriarchal issues. That's right. Fathers. Fathers trying to save their children from actual surgical mutilation at the hands of their disturbed wives and mothers have patriarchal issues. These women are insane. They are deeply disturbed, not slightly disturbed, dangerously disturbed. We used to make documentaries about them. We used to make movies about them. Gypsy Rose, Blanchard. That's these women. They are dangerous and they are wicked. They are not caring. Back to the article. Dr. Oz Hakim, a psychiatrist who worked at the Portman Clinic until 2012, was quoted by the Telegraph and the Daily Mail as saying he was concerned with cases that smacked of, quote, Transhausen by proxy. Dr. Hakim told the news outlets that he had seen a significant number of grieving parents who lost a child and eventually had another baby. Some parents wanted to to transition the later born child into the sex of the child who died. He described instances in which parents of toddlers came to the clinic wanting a son instead of a daughter, or vice versa. In one example, he said, the parents changed the name of their male child and put a wig on his head to shore up the belief that he was really a girl. To all of you professionals out there who are speaking out, thank you. Probably some of you have been actively silenced until now. I'm sure some of you have tried and you haven't succeeded. So I can't blame all of you. I can't I can't tar you all with the same brush and say you should have done more. A lot of you should have done more. A lot of you did have the political capital to spend. A lot of you could have had more moral courage. But some of you I know were really hamstrung and I appreciate that you're speaking out now. It is your moral, medical, and professional duty to speak out right now. And if I were a believer, if I were a religious believer, I would say your immortal soul is in graver danger every single day that you go along with this lie and do nothing about it. When the reckoning comes, silent and complicit professionals are not going to escape it. And to them, for them, I want to see their reputations destroyed. I want them de-licensed. I want them taken down. I want them prosecuted. I want them made a public example of, and I want them to rot in jail for the rest of their natural lives. Come back after the break. can't get enough of our love baby that's because you're not subscribed move that thumb over to the great big old subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode we put out audio only exclusive content that you won't get on any other video platform so make sure you subscribe today looking for a non-woke place to put your money where your mouth is put it where my mouth is Disaffected supporters get access to our private Discord chat server, backstage episode recording sessions, surprise guests, and more. And all it takes is $10 a month. You've got two options. Either Substack, visit us at disaffectedpod.substack.com, or go over to subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Remember, choose the $10 level or higher for Discord access. Over many episodes, we've told you about Vermont's new laws that make it a sanctuary state for so-called trans kids and their abusive parents. These laws indemnify doctors who sex change kids. They bar state courts, they bar police, and they bar Vermont social workers from cooperating with extradition or arrest warrants from out of state if that arrest warrant is based on stopping one parent in a custody dispute from mutilating a child's genitals. It's in violation of the Constitution, yes, correct. These laws also make sex change surgeries a legally enumerated right under state law. It's now in the statute. It's a right that you have in Vermont. Yes, that does mean that taxpayers will pay for it on Medicaid they already are if you're a Vermonter you are paying for this yes it does mean that you are paying for this through your insurance premiums as well because the insurance companies are required by law to provide this so you Vermonters are paying for this for other people and those of you from other states that have laws like this you too your money personally is paying to do this to children and paying for the cosmetic fetishes of narcissistic adults we've told you We we said the floodgates were going to open, that abusive parents were going to flock to the state, they were going to kidnap their kids in some cases, and that they would be celebrated once they arrived here. We were right. Again, here it is. Here is an obscenely long article in Seven Days, our weekly progressive newspaper. Headline, Taking Refuge. Transgender newcomers find safety, services, and community in Vermont. I'll read to you from the introduction. Kate and Drew Streep never planned to leave Chattanooga. The young couple, born and bred Tennesseans, were raising their three children in Streep's childhood home in a hip, close-knit neighborhood they cherish within easy reach of their extended family. But when Tennessee passed a law in March prohibiting gender-affirming medical care for transgender children, the streets bid farewell to their beloved state. Their son, Sam, 11, is transgender. Remaining in Chattanooga was not an option. Quote, I remember the day it passed, I watched the live stream and was just sobbing while making dinner, Kate said of the new law. It would not only mean that Sam couldn't get puberty blockers, but that he couldn't receive gender-affirming therapy. Three months later, the family of five arrived in Vermont, a state they had visited only once. They had no family or friends waiting in South Burlington, but Sam, they hoped, could grow up as himself. Isn't that sweet? Little Sam can grow up as himself. That dirty vulva and uterus inside him Can finally go away because Sam doesn't have to live in that bad, patriarchal man state that wants him to grow up a healthy, adjusted female. Here's some more we told you so, and we did tell you so. The Streeps have joined an influx of transgender people and their families drawn to Vermont by the promise of relative safety crucial services, and what they view as the state's reputation for tolerance. Newcomers say they left their home states because of the national surge in hatred aimed at transgender people, as well as the passage of laws that restrict gender-affirming care. Vermont's emerging role as a haven stems in large part from its laws offering formal protections to LGBTQ residents, the array of support services available in the Green Mountains, and a healthcare system that is seen as accommodating to transgender people. Why the diffidence, Seven Days Rider, seems to be reputation for stop it. No one knows exactly how large this surge of newcomers is, and few organizations serve only trans people. But out in the open, a Brattleboro-based nonprofit that provides resources for LGBTQ plus people in rural areas say says it has doubled its capacity to meet the growing demand. The University of Vermont's Medical Center's Transgender Youth Program, which has gained notice for providing support, resources, and referrals, has also doubled in size. So far this year, the program has served at least five families who've moved to Vermont. Well, here's one of the happy trans kids finally at peace in the Green Mountain State. Meet Richie, a trans boy. Don't notice that Richie is obviously a female. Don't notice the trauma tells, like the bull ring, septum piercing, or the obesity at her age. Don't notice it, bigot. Why do you hate Richie? Why do you hate Ritchie enough that you don't want her to be subjected to this? You scum. Here's seven days on Ritchie. Quote, Ritchie, a transgender transplant in Barrie, appears to be thriving. The pump- it, punkish, effervescent teen hosts an offbeat radio show with loyal listeners. You're DJ Turkey Joe, an acquaintance once asked incredulously. He has a group of friends who actually do things," Ritchie said with pride, adjusting glasses that frame eyes accented with shimmery eyeshadow. Quote, they sell art out of buses, and they're crazy, and they all know each other. End quote. Homeschooled, he's set to graduate from high school later this year. And here's Ritchie's mom, Farah. She says. He needed gender-affirming care for sure, and we needed to not go to jail for that. Translation. We needed to go somewhere that would let us cut her breasts off, put her on poisoned, exogenous hormones, and we needed to be somewhere that would allow us to mutilate her functioning body and mind at a young age, without putting us in prison for child abuse. Naturally, we chose Vermont. Naturally. Let's meet the Luceros who have a beautiful trans daughter named Jessica. Here they are on your screen. Don't notice that this young man is obviously a young man. Don't notice mom's rainbow borderline glasses. Remember, don't notice anything. Don't believe your eyes. Only believe what you're told. Is that clear? More from the article. For some recent arrivals, refuge can take the form of having a box to check. Tina Lucero, an Oklahoma native and primary caregiver for her 22-year-old daughter who has autism and muscular dystrophy, felt trepidation at the start of a recent doctor's visit in Barrie when she explained that Jessica was transgender. Quote, And the nurse replied, I've got a box for that. I can check that, Tina recalled with evident relief. And I was like, oh, wow, that's not actually an option where we used to live. Wow. In Oklahoma, Jessica, who relies on a ventilator, Had lost her disability. I'm just, I'm going to say this. Matt Walsh does this and I'm going to do it too. I'm using the pronouns as they're written, but I am going to break in from time to time and remind people there's no daughter here in this story. Jessica is a boy, a a 22-year-old young man with autism and muscular dystrophy. Tina spends hours vainly advocating to have them restored. She suspects bias was at work, though she lacks hard evidence. Quote, they knew she was trans, Tina said. I can't say for sure that was the reason, but it sure felt that way. And accessing gender-affirming care seemed out of the picture. Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt, a Republican, signed a bill into law this year that makes it a felony for health care workers to provide children with gender transition medical care. A previous version of the measure would have barred gender-affirming medical care to patients younger than 26 years old. That worried Tina. I'll bet it did. You're worried you were going to end up in jail where you should be, bitch. This poor young man has muscular dystrophy and uses a ventilator. And he's autistic. And his wicked mother and his wicked father are adding to his health woes by pretending he's a girl and introducing hormonal poisons into his fragile body. Can you imagine anything more evil? I don't care whether his parents think they're doing the right thing. I don't care. I don't care. And you shouldn't care either. Is there anything I can say or do to make this more plain? How is this the world that we're living in? Why aren't, these, why aren't people marching in the street all over the place to rescue these children? Why aren't these depraved parents in court facing a life sentence? Why aren't the doctors? Where are the Nuremberg trials? Because that is what we need. Don't tell me I'm exaggerating. The article goes on for what appears to be about 10 pages. It's entirely in that fawning, smarmy, mommy tone. Everything is rainbows and butterflies, except the bad patriarchies who are trying to take these kids' genders away. There's no point in reading any more of it to you, but I'll leave you with one more quote. At times, tensions over the presence of transgender people in Vermont have burst into open view. Last year, a 29 year old transgender woman was stabbed to death in Morristown. While it is unclear whether the victim's gender identity was the motive, an online petition gathered more than 9,000 signatures urging that the suspect be charged with a hate crime. There it is. That was Fern Feather. Fern Feather was a young man who called himself a woman. Kevin knew Fern Feather. Christopher Aaron Felker knew Fern Feather. By all estimations given to me, a very sweet person, but a very troubled person. Fern Feather picked up an actual psychopath in his car who had just been sprung from the state psychiatric hospital. And they went down a country road together for reasons we all know. And we do, don't we? And he got murdered. It's unclear whether the victim's gender identity was a motive. Really? I'd say it was pretty clear that it wasn't a motive. Why do they say this stuff? Did you notice in what I read to you from Seven Days that they didn't name the suspect? They didn't even describe the suspect who was a man in his late 40s from the psych hospital? There's a reason for that. Here's that reason. Do you know who got blamed for that murder? My friends and me. This is the murder that the Burlington City Council blamed on us. They said that we created a violent atmosphere with our words and our speaking out against gender transition child abuse was putting people's lives in danger. The Rutland Herald blamed us in an editorial. Vermont Digger blamed us the city council condemned us in a resolution that implied that we got Fern Feather murdered. You wonder why I'm so fucking angry. Don't wonder. Of course, they didn't use our name so that they could libel us and stay on the right side of the law, but everybody knows. All right. More from Burlington. This one's going to amuse you. Kevin Hurley, the other half of Disaffected, the producer, who usually stays off camera, you're going to give you a treat tonight. Kevin was in Burlington recently, and he attended a Neighborhood Planning Association meeting. You remember that we talked about those last week with Mrs. Lee Morrigan and her histrionic meltdown. Kevin, are you there? Are you ready to join us? You coming on camera? You know, audience, I'm going to tell you something now that I've got Kevin on the screen here. What you didn't see while we were getting ready for all of this is how fussy he was about making sure that he looked nice. He had to have a haircut. He had to make sure that the office was set up right and that his shirt was straight and this and he's fussing with his hair. This is the man who fights me because he If I have to, you know, you can, I'll talk over you, but. If
2: if I have to approach, well, I said we'll do a thirty on this. I can't do all of these, and I don't. I don't want to make people think. Oh God, he's full of shit. Then they're gonna think he's full of shit on everything. Uh, where's the mascara? Where's the foundation? I take no time.
1: D- no fussy. no don't don't be dishonest I, Kevin don't be dishonest about that you make fun of me because I'm fussy about the where the lights are because I don't want your goddamn key lights up here highlighting the bags under my eyes and you would think I was the biggest prima donna on the face of the earth well I now we see it one set of mm. okay all right let's let's um, let's go let's do it Burlington. So why are you here you are here we talked about this um when we were getting ready for the show and i think um you went to the npa meeting and it seems to me that your goal was to show these people that you and and people like us are in fact going to exercise our first amendment rights we're not going to be bound uh by these unconstitutional conventions and that we are going to force them to have to deal with it in person face to face
2: Fair? Yeah. So this this was the NPA following the one where Olivia and Lee and um, you know everyone resigned from the one that we covered last. Yeah. Did NPA
1: no. uh, audience NPA means neighborhood planning association like we talked about on the show two weeks ago. Right.
2: And it's directed by a steering committee. So they had to reappoint a steering committee. Um, well, I guess they didn't have to yet, but they chose to. And I think they ended up with like seven, six or seven people on it this time as opposed to three. Six Um, or seven on a steering committee? Oh, my God. Something like that. So, um, you know, I went to the meeting. It could have been any meeting. It could have been a city council meeting. I just wanted to have fun. Um, You know, I don't really care about being coerced through social pressure. It really doesn't bother me. I just take it for granted that I must be hated in, you know, most of the Burlington political scene. Um, And, you know, I accept that. So... What I, what, I, what I wanted to do was just kind of go in there smugly, misgender everyone intentionally, talk about why I was misgendering everyone intentionally, talk about the First Amendment, talk about the fact that I was going to keep doing it and
1: that it was intentional. Oh, it drove them nuts. <laughs> oh God. Well, i think we i think we have a little bit of video showing a yeah. little bit of the having been driven nuts don't we i have to run it for myself now don't i yeah we'll, yeah. we'll do uh we'll do a graphic
2: transition
1: what i'd like to do is have everyone in and um uh provide your name uh pronouns
2: uh, i just do want to say something i do want to say something this gentleman that you're seeing over here works for CETO, i believe uh
1: and that's a community economic development office. Community. Yep. Um,
2: community. Now they, they say the NPAs are autonomous. They, they are, uh, CEDO helps to facilitate, supposedly, uh, but um, the NPAs themselves operate autonomously, which is interesting because he's running this NPA. Um, and the first thing they did, I think, was do a CEDO presented slideshow. So, you know, CETO's setting the agenda? I don't know. Uh, oh, they're setting award. the agenda.
1: Oh, they sure are. Yeah. Um, uh, and he comes right in. He, yeah, they're autonomous. He comes right in and lays down the pro down law, doesn't he? Yeah,
2: right, right. All right. It's hard for me to watch this because I really, I really, you know, I call it, my my last name is Hurley. I call it the full reverse Hurley. This uh, smug look on my face. It's <laughs> okay. hard for me to watch and, myself um, doing.
3: I'll start with myself. My name is Scott Rogers. I'm
2: a Kevin Hurley and I don't use pronouns because they're silly fake and ridiculous.
0: And what word are you in? Ward
2: <laughs> three. <laughs>
1: silly fake. <laughs> you, and ridiculous. you you can you can hear you know, I mean it's it's not actually the sound, but what I'm hearing as I look at these um, at these people sitting there, I hear mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, you know it was fun. Uh, you know, and I, I did interrupt later on. Um, well, let me not say that. I didn't interrupt. I raised my hand and spoke, as people do. And um, it was something, they were going on about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I, I don't know if are really listening. You know, I just wanted to get something. And then I said, you know, I think your definitions of um diversity and inclusion are vapid and meaningless. Um, like you only care about race and fake gender. <laughs> um, so, you it. know, I don't, to me, it doesn't matter if I just sit there and say, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. I just want to take up time and annoy them. Um, I the, don't like them. I don't I, care. Yep. I want to, I you want, know, this is the same thing that they've, this already, is what they do to us. This is what, you know, the woke mob started doing years ago and got their way by doing it. Yep. These are them's rules. They make- <laughs> so,
3: let's
2: nice. do it. Um, I do have another one here. If you're interested, um, this is, this is not related to gender, but this is a good example of the shit that's spoken about, you know, this. So what you're looking here at is um, counselor, Mark Barlow, Councillor Ali Jang, and uh the big one on the end is um is that sarah carpenter sarah carpenter thank you Mm -hmm. um so ali speaking and ali usually speaks in the language of transactional circle jerk um i think is what it's called listen to this
3: from my perspective the npas what why they were created in the first place it's not serving its purpose anymore
2: So we had to, because they were electing a new steering committee, we had to go through all of this slideshows on what the MPAs are and why they were created, it was,
3: you know. From my perspective, it has become a political machine. And I'm speaking from an elected official of color who been um, a city council for six years. People, if you can't run for office, this is not politics. This is about bringing the neighbors (laughs) dispute their um, political views, dispute their country of origin, dispute. This is about bringing the neighbors to speak
2: their political views, to speak their country of origin. Yeah, that's a main bullet point for the, uh, for the uh, NPAs, to come in and speak your country of origin.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, he, he starts right out with, you know, I'm speaking as an elected official of color. An elected official of color. Just, just, just <laughs> shut mm-hmm. up. Just mm-hmm. shut mm-hmm. up with that.
3: Who they are? We just neighbors. It should be neighborhoody, so it we can come. We can discuss what's happening on my street, on your street, vandalism, those type of things. But not about this is how I see this issue, and this is what I expect for you to vote. Whatever.
2: I'm confused. But not. You can go talk about vandalism and street issues, right? But you, but the NPA, according to Councillor Deng, is, is not set up for you to come in and share your political views or tell your councillors how you expect them to vote.
1: That's, my, that's the source of my confusion. Those, two thi- those are contradictory statements, aren't they? Because he's the opposite of truth. But he does pronouns, so of course he is. So let's see. Yeah. We well, he's uh, he's going to make it clearer um, what yeah. his agenda is about.
3: Well, it should be at a level of respect, of acceptance, right? Of a level. it should be at a level
2: of respect. And so, if you come into the NPA, you are expected to have respect. I don't. I don't respect any of them. Maybe a few level well, of
3: collaboration. You need the button, too. I told you, you need the... I know, no, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. This is fun. Getting things done for us, for the people that we represent here. We all love some issues we care about or the issues we don't care about. But whatever it is, we respect you once you walk into that door. No, you don't. You become a doctor. You wear something that's completely white. Your beliefs, you put them on the door. We're just human beings with minds, with hearts, right? And how do we go from there?
2: So this is like, right, that's all. It's, it's, at it one is, point, it's just I, masturbatory. So at one point during this meeting, it was suggested and applauded that the NPAs, you know, like this, be reorganized so that everyone sits in a circle.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Are they going to put a cracker in the middle on the floor? Yeah. Do we have to reach to the right or reach to the left? And <laughs> it's one, both. <laughs> you,
3: you, well, if you want to not be discriminatory, one minute left. In this. The NPA, from my perspective, need to be diversified a little bit, okay. and we tried. People used to come here; they see the, the they they feel just the atmosphere of the room, and they would never come back
2: that is not true there is no atmosphere what i think what he's trying to say is there's too many white people here there's, there is no black people in the audience this
1: is vermont this there is are only, okay and uh, so people uh, in the room. let's remind the audience how not true what he just said actually is go back to our episode from 2 weeks ago you tell me that people of color and queer people are the ones who feel unwelcome Mm -hmm, it's a mm -hmm. this is this is oh it's so blatant it's such a reversal yeah he's a liar yeah he's it's like but he has accent uh, and is man of color must be taken seriously elected official of color yeah
3: excuse me a comment that a person of color told me I will not be coming back here how would you do this
1: well, I mean, well, I'd just reasons. say have a nice night. <laughs> <laughs>
3: there may be other reasons that a
2: person of color doesn't want to come back there because it's boring as fuck and everyone's lying. So, <laughs> yeah, sensible people of
1: color wouldn't want to be there. <laughs>
2: sensible people of color, S P O C. I like that.
1: Spocks. I'm an S P O C by pop.
3: Seven twenty one. We need to get this thing on the air because, for the love of my community, I show up. Leaders, they do show up. And also, we respect people about their gender. I think that's the most basic thing we need to do. She, her, they, them. This is the way that I want to be called. Call me this way. It's okay. It won't. No, hurt it's not you. okay. It won't. No. Is it? <laughs>
1: is there
2: more? 14 seconds more.
1: All right, let's let's let the audience have it. Don't be stingy. If
2: you had if you had this set up here, you'd see you have buttons, and it tells you.
1: You know how I am with buttons. Minimize who you
3: are, right? This is my religion. Respect my religion. I don't eat pork, so don't bring pork, or at least tell (laughs) me this has pork, right? So we be a little bit welcoming.
1: Okay, I have to Mm -hmm. say this, and I know we got to close this this up soon. That was a tell. He just told on himself. He does not mean respect my religion as in allow me to practice my religion, allow me to state my religion. Don't bring pork. No, you don't eat pork because of your religion does not mean I don't eat pork because of your religion. That audience, this is who these people are. He tried Mm -hmm. to catch himself. He tried Mm -hmm. to correct himself. Mm -hmm. At least say, at least tell me there's pork in it. But he already told on himself. Mm -hmm. You can see through these people. This is, they intend to own you. They really do. And he also
2: compared this whole gender thing to a religion, which is another, (laughs) he, he, he may not have
1: done that had he thought better. I have to think. Uh, he he can't really uh, he can't really think better can he He's hard of thinking. Well, nobody see nobody none of these people Kevin none of them are thinking. They're they're reacting they're emoting they're going according to a script if they're not thinking.
2: They don't care if they were. Um, yeah, so you know the plan I guess planned. There's no plan. What I would like to do is just um, you know give give the public meetings in Vermont a taste of how far free speech can go you know test free speech in Vermont by saying things by constructing um statements that are specifically designed to make them feel uncomfortable you know f- for example the city ca- I'll do I'll do this I know we got to go but the the city council uh the Burlington city council is run by or Run, I guess, by President Karen Paul, City Council President Karen Paul. Mm-hmm. You know the blonde mommy you see her at the end of every yeah. um, episode. She has rules of decorum. Okay, mm-hmm. um, you have to address her according to her. You cannot talk about other individuals. In fact, uh, a recent at a recent meeting, there was a woman complaining about something that Councillor Ben Traverse either did or said. Another city councilor and Karen interrupted her and said, "That's off limits. You cannot talk about other individuals." Okay, okay. This is a public meeting. Yeah, this falls under, you know, this falls under the the United States Constitution. Um, you'll know the. Uh...
1: Well, I I think yes. Um, so the plan, such as it is, I think that you and I are going to be showing up more frequently at city council meetings. Uh, and it um, school board meetings and school board meetings. meetings other things like this uh, but I am very much looking forward to the opportunity for us to um, Uh, Take our full two minutes at the lectern Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. during the public comment period because Karen Paul is not going to tell me what to do. And if Mm -hmm. Karen Paul tries to tell me what to do, I'm going to get very personal and very direct with Karen Paul. And if she talks over me, I'm going to tell her to shut up and I am going to address whoever I want on that city council. Karen Mm -hmm. Paul is not going to mommy me.
2: You could talk about the size of her hips. (laughs) <laughs> you could talk about oh, bangs. You could talk about—I mean, free speech. It, you know, this is—you know—it's uh, not relevant. You know, none of it's relevant. I, I don't care if it's relevant or not. I want them to see that their 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 little
1: decorum rules don't matter. Well, you see, in, 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 I my view on this, it—you it, it, know, I'm I'm a stickler for etiquette. I, I'm a believer in etiquette and yeah. rules Me of decorum too. are a subset of etiquette yeah. ordinarily in a sane and sensible world i believe in following these kinds of rules i believe in orderly yeah. meetings i believe in taking your turn in line i i believe in in um following road rules these things are important but that is off the table now mm-hmm. they have taken mm-hmm. this off the table we are not going to be bound by they're rules. their yeah. fake rules of yep decorum which are lopsided and biased so if they want to play by rules of decorum they may do so but they're not playing by them right now and we're not going to either we played right here
2: on the show um i think it was a, a woman in the vermont i don't remember how long ago it was a few months ago um a woman in the city council meeting uh i think during a point when um they were in a deliberative session Farine, I think was her name. She yep. jumps up and just starts screaming at the mayors, screaming at the counselors. She twerking decided... at the counselors. Yeah. And and it went on and on. There's no sergeant at arms to take her out. No one. Karen Paul you know...
1: didn't tell her to be quiet. Nope. Um She did, however, then tell Christopher Aaron Felker, which we aired a couple of weeks ago, when he was heckled from the audience and couldn't speak, and he said, May I reclaim 15 seconds? And she went and did this no we all no. get two minutes you're not going to get away with karen i'm not nice like christopher is he's a much nicer gentleman than i am that's oh, not yeah. me you're not going to no. get that uh, so i have tommy
2: knitting i well he doesn't know this yet but he will be knitting a special thing it's a cover like a teapot kettle cover and we're going mm-hmm. to take it in and put it over top of their little countdown green light thing right <laughs> uh, Maybe we can put, like the disaffected logo on the front of it we're going to cover that up and we're going to put our own timer out there it'll be the same amount of time but they don't get to beep the lights you know they get to you know we, we will display it to them I just think it's you know they're you know they're Burli- this is Burlington you know they may say that these are the rules of decorum, but I'm American and I talked to America, and they said we can do this.
1: So. <laughs> I know, America said America said so. so okay, this has been fun, Go, Kevin. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, thank you for sharing. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, Thanks uh, very much. Bye. 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 Okay, we we got to um, we got to bring this to a close here. We're going to a break, um, but. Wait, did we, are we, are we going to a break? No, no, we're yes. not going to yes, a break.
2: we are going for a break. This is B2. We're going oh. to a break, we're coming back to C. Just go to a break, and if you're wrong, it doesn't matter, it'll be the end of the show.
1: Okay, well, before we go to the break, I would like to encourage you to support our work. Do you find value in this? I hope that we give you something that you don't find in other podcasts and other TV shows. And we rely on our audience. We don't have sponsors because we're toxic. We only have people like you to help us make this show. There's a couple of ways to do it. Um, Substack. And Subscribestar are the probably your best entry points. You can go to disaffectedpod.substack.com or you can go to subscribestar.com disaffected. And if you sign up and support us, you'll get access to our 24-7 uh, Discord chat server with about 400 other people who are also show supporters. And there's a new benefit for you. Uh, for supporting us as well as some of you know i do private coaching and consulting at joshua one hour sessions where we can talk about anything from your abusive boss to your cluster b family and hell even funeral planning um and as a thank you to people who have generously generously supported disaffected i'm giving uh, a discount to supporters so you get 30 bucks knocked off that if you are a disaffected supporter thank you very much and we'll see you on the other side can't get enough of our love baby that's because you're not subscribed move that thumb over to the great big old subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode we put out audio only exclusive content that you won't get on any other video platform so make sure you subscribe today looking for a non-woke place to put your money where your mouth is put it where my mouth is Disaffected supporters get access to our private Discord chat server, backstage episode recording sessions, surprise guests, and more. And all it takes is $10 a month. You've got two options. Either Substack, visit us at disaffectedpod.substack.com, or go over to subscribestar.com disaffected. Remember, choose the $10 level or higher for Discord access. Welcome back. I've told stories several times, more than several times, about the incompetence of young people, about high school seniors who can't do basic arithmetic. They're stumped at the cash register when they enter the wrong tender amount. It doesn't occur to them to do addition and subtraction on paper. It doesn't even occur to them to get out their phone calculators. And you know why? It's because they can't do addition and subtraction. These are kids who will pull out their phone to figure out how to get to a store literally around the corner from their house because they, I can't read a map. I can't, I can't read an analog clock face. No, I'm not exaggerating. This is, that's generation Z. So why aren't they going for their phones? Because they literally don't know basic arithmetic. That's the truth. Well, I'm starting to hear it now from other people, too. I am no longer in my world, the lone voice saying this, getting looked at, cockeyed by people who think I'm just a crazy, grumpy old man. I mean, I'm that, but I'm so very much more. (laughs) This week, I was at the auto repair shop waiting for new tires, waiting for much longer than I uh, would ordinarily because the power went out in Montpelier, and so that was about an hour and a half of sitting around with the old guys at the auto shop complaining about everything. It was actually a good time. <laughs> um, so I'm sitting there waiting for new... T- my car is stuck up on the lift because the power went out after my car was on the lift. <laughs> so I wasn't going anywhere. And the, old, the oldest guy there, the old guy there, um, told the exact same story to all of us sitting there that I have told to you on this show. He talked about going up to a fast food drive-through window, and the cashier, who got very upset and very embarrassed when she keyed in the wrong amount of cash, could not figure it out. He's sitting there. He's not going to say anything because we talked about that. He, he knows. He's been bitten, too. He doesn't say anything to young people now because they're hostile. Um, this young person had to go get a manager to, quote, reset the computer because it gave the wrong answer. He said, this elderly gentleman, I put him somewhere between 70 and 80. He said he can't understand young people. And in a way that wasn't true before. He said he's never seen anything like what he's seeing now. It's new. And he made a point of saying it wasn't like this 20 years ago. He was getting into old guy territory 20 years ago. And it still wasn't this bad. No, it's not just the normal turning over of the generations. This is different and new. And the rest of the guys hanging around the shop were middle aged to elderly men. Well, there was, there, was one, uh, there was one young guy there um, based. He was totally on board with all this, he sees it in his peers. The rest of the guys were joining into the conversation and they were all astonished at how few young people will apply for a job there. This is uh, this is a, probably the best known service station in Montpelier. It's been around for a, a dog's age. Everyone goes there. Um, I mean, you want a steady job, you go work there. It's never going out of business. But they're astonished at how few people, young people will actually even apply when they have a job opening. And astonished at what they say when they do apply and how they tell their prospective bosses what work they're willing to do and what work they're not willing to do. Once you give people permission to talk about this stuff, it uh, it all comes out. It froths over like a can of soda that you shook before you opened it. There's a lot of bottled up frustration among normal people, not just cranky loudmouths like me. And it's not me. It's not Josh Slocum's personal problem. It's not Kevin Hurley's personal problem. It's objectively real. It's happening. And uh, uh, when I finished writing the script last night, I realized that that's a theme of this episode. Obvious truths that we here at Disaffected and the, the crew around us have been pointing out for years, all while being told that we are crazy, cranky, bitter, and illegitimately angry for no reason. Well, it's not so easy to say it now, is it? When it happens to you and when it starts happening in volume. I realize that this is how the world works. I'm in a minority of people who often sound the alarm years before other people will say anything about it. I'm a Cassandra. I'm not the only one, but we're not the majority. We're the minority. I point things out before it's politically and socially acceptable to point them out. And the price I pay for that, the price anyone who who treats, comes and faces the world this way, the price we pay is being mocked, being called hysterical, being called extremists, or being smugly poo-pooed as I often am and accused of reacting out of my trauma. Well, that may be how humans are, but I resent it. And I don't forgive anyone who did it and who still does it. There's an exception to that. Very rarely, someone will apologize to me. It's happened a few times. They will say that they are ashamed of having mocked me especially if they did it on social media to trash my reputation. They are ashamed of using me as an example of hysteria once they realized that I wasn't hysterical, that I was actually telling the truth. These people, I will forgive them. The ones who say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, I will forgive them. Because I've done the same thing. I was a blind, woke cultist. I've had to ask for a lot of grace and a lot of forgiveness, and I'm very grateful to the people who gave it to me and who gave me a second chance. (laughs) I know what a trial I can be. But the rest of them, the ones who didn't ask, the ones who still don't ask, the ones who don't say they're sorry, the ones who pretend that they didn't target people like me, they want to just let bygones be bygones, no, I don't forgive them. I don't wish them well, and I won't lift a finger to help them, for anything, for any reason, regardless of the circumstances. They dug their grave, and they may lie in it. Now it's been a while, but do you know what time it is? It's time for Yes, that's right! Let's have some fun. (laughs) All right. Remember this one? (laughs) For those of you on audio, it's a still frame of the triggered woman, the triggered big glasses woman with her big, crazy eyes melting down the day of Donald Trump's election from back in 2016. You know she's become a meme, you recognize her, you've seen her everywhere, she's famous. Well, guess where she popped up seven years later? Let's take a look at that. (laughs) Here we have a delightful group portrait of Nancy Pelosi with a gaggle of young white women, uh, poor George Washington, <laughs> standing there. Look at him. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, if paintings could talk. Well, let's let's not make you play. Where's Waldo? Let's let's zoom in on that picture. Do you see her? <laughs> I'm sorry. Twitter person, I'm sorry I can't remember your name because you do deserve the credit for this. This is not my line. It's yours. But as someone on Twitter said, those two pictures represent the entire emotional repertoire of borderline personality disorder. (laughs) Crazy to smug. (laughs) All right. Get her off this. Get her out of my face. Kevin, don't make the people look at her. Thank you. Thank you very much. In Apple operating system news, behold, (laughs) this is the new uh, uh, contact setup screen on the new Apple operating system. I I need my borderline glasses for this. Do you like these? I got special crazy tortoise shell once. (laughs) So I can be that lady. So, so we've got, um, so you're setting up, you know, who you are on this for when you're texting and stuff. Uh, a field to add phone, add email, ringtone, text tone. Add pronouns. They've added add pronouns. <laughs> because, of course, they have. Where is the field to add your personality disorder? Bigots. I so want to be an Apple programmer. Because you know what I would do? I would put in fields for land acknowledgements, menstruation cycle status, full Brazilian beaver tail or landing strip, vegetarian commitment level with at least five options, and all of them would be required fields. You refuse to complete one, the app shuts down and turns off your Wi-Fi and cellular data. And the minute I got a text from someone with pronouns, I'd immediately block them because I'm a fucker like that. (laughs) Oh, oh, <laughs> get this, get this one, honey. This is um, <laughs> Gretchen Felker Martin at Christopher. Come get your girl. <laughs> I just, I didn't realize that until right now. I hope this bitch isn't related to you, you poor thing. Can you imagine having your gene pool polluted by being related to this? Um, so Gretchen Felker Martin says... On Twitter, in a post that's been deleted, but not forgotten because there are screenshots, she says, Can pretty safely state that Bin Laden and I did not uh, agree on much, but blowing up the World Trade Center is probably the most principled and defensible thing he ever did. (laughs) Charmed, I'm sure. And this from Mike Baudette. Host of the best true crime show on the planet, Sword and Scale, Mike tweets. A picture of her. Hashtag pig. <laughs> <laughs> Gretchen, you look delicious. Oh, <laughs> no, and that has been Populi de Mockery and Disaffected. Have a great week. Thanks for watching. Ah, nom, 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 nom. Nom, oh, nom. Ah, nom, nom, nom. nom, nom. Um, cookie. Uh, um, delicious. Uh, um, nom, nom, nom.